Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 38 of The Great Divide. You didn't expect one so soon, did you? And you didn't expect one so soon last time, so we're really cranking them out. This is Tom here with Svein from Norway. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, Svein. Good afternoon, Tom. How are you today? I'm, I'm good. At, um, this is something we looked forward to for a long time, or I don't know if we looked forward to it. We kind of dreaded it a bit, because we're finally going to tackle Steel Town. And uh, Lord have mercy I'm still dreading it. Yeah. yeah, I'm dreading it as we speak. Yeah, oh. holy shit. Are we done yet? Yeah, that, that's it. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we mentioned it. I know, and it's not like we dread it because we it's it's a bad dread. Obviously, we love this album, but it's just so huge and so big. And I think the more we've gotten into it, the more we realize that we're going further and further into that gigantic steel town hole, and there's just so much to talk about. But we'll get there. And in fact, if you're listening to this now, that we've already gotten there. So um, at least for this episode. Yeah. And um, th- this should be a little bit of a different episode, too, which is one of the reasons we've got gotten it out so quickly. But the last episode we did was our first roundtable experiment. And I think it went really, really well. What do you think? It was, without question, uh, a great success. And I'll say that with some... Um, I was apprehensive ahead of that because I have other podcasts I listen to. And some of their weaker episodes, to be honest, are the roundtable episodes. I don't think that's the case with us. And I think that's 100% because of the guests we had on. So uh, thank you very much to Kenny, CJ, and Arlen. You guys kicked butt. And I, I guess the listeners agree that that was a very well-received episode. And uh, in fact, people are clamoring for more. They want to bring them back so they can hear less of us and more of our <laughs> guests. So, so I'm, I'm very, very pleased with that. So I think that also set up the Steel Town discussion really well. We, uh, we spent a good bit of time trying to think about who would be a good guest and it wasn't kind of um it wasn't like thinking who's better than anyone else but just the people that we're more familiar with we thought well who would who would have some good insight into the into this album based on what we've read from them in the past and and of course we know some of them better than others so yeah i think a lot of it was uh without a doubt most all of it was the was the fact that we we made good choices picking the guests they added a ton and it was really interesting to hear all the different um, different feedback from different different people. And uh, the response has been amazing. The response has been great on the Facebook page. A lot of people, as you say, want us to do it again. And, and we definitely will. And I think what we'll do is uh, we'll bring some of those people back from time to time. We'll maybe try some other ones down the road and see if we can get some other insights. And that really kind of leads us into what this episode is going to be today. This is um, what well, we asked. we started asking about few months ago really for you guys to send in your speak pipe submissions about steel town and if anyone's new to this show and doesn't know what we're talking about when we say speak pipe it's just kind of a it's an online service that enables people to record a brief three minute message and send it to us and we've been using them sporadically throughout the show since we started doing it and it's always added a, a little bit to each episode that we've done but this episode it's going to be predominantly your speak pipe submissions because we've gotten a, a really a good amount of them this is quite a few so what we decided to do was to collect them in one episode rather than do the sprinkle we'll uh spend this episode on these messages and we'll interject once a while but uh, these episodes mainly speak for themselves and uh, i want to thank and tom want to thank everybody who sends in because it's an effort to send in and not everybody's used to it a lot of people have to tackle technology and that's really 
appreciate it. We really appreciate that. So to each and every one who have sent something, thank you very much. It's really, really cool. And that also makes us a bit more of a listener rather than the, the people who, who put this together. There is one speak pipe that I don't really count amongst the 23 because we got that as early as uh, mid-April last year. <laughs> In other words, a year and a half ago. And uh, I'm not sure if we should say who this is from, but uh, someone sent us a speak pipe and it was really short and we weren't sure what the word said. We, 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 we could barely make it out. And I think Utah made a suggestion that we kind of landed on, but maybe people should hear this and uh, <laughs> make up their own minds before we say what we think it is. So and this is, we, yeah. Well, I was going to say, before we play it, we should warn people that we don't, we don't fully know what is going on with this message. I mean, it, it kind of reminds you of something like The Ring, you know, The Ring movie where you see this really strangely uh, coded uh, video message. We don't know what powers this message might have because it sounds like it's some strange uh, broadcast from the future or the distant past. I don't know. So listen at your own risk. Okay, so we we got this and we were thinking... Wow, what is this? <laughs> and the only thing that I thought that it that it said, the thing that I you know, eventually came to think that it said is "Dear Steel Town." Dear Steel Town. That's those are the words that I think it says. Dear Steel Town. Now, to our discredit, we never really went to the source of the message, which, which we could have done and just said, "Hey, what what did you mean by sending this?" Yeah. Why didn't we ever do that? <laughs> and doing uh, it now. Uh, no, it, it it sounds like someone was experimenting with Speakpipe or trying it for the first time, and by accident something got sent in, and now we're sitting here making light of it. But uh, it um, we're not really making light of it because we're bringing it up in the Steel Town episode and saying, well, that's how kind of how we feel. Dear Steel Town. Yeah. So so this is going to be a bit of a mantra. Because Steel Town is a dear old friend, and I'm sure a lot of us feel that way. So, dear Steel Town, this is for you. I think before we before we launch into the first one or the second one, now that we've heard Dear Steel Town, um, it, it might be interesting to talk a little bit about the reviews from the music press in general around the time. And we sort of touched on this a little bit in the roundtable discussion that many of the reviews of this album just were not good or, or were were even bad in some respects a lot of people i think very very lazily lumped it into the whole sophomore slump quote-unquote thing and um i think as time has gone on well i don't know if a lot of these reviewers would would go back to their review of steel town probably most of them don't think about the album at all anymore but uh i think most of us for, for most of us this album has only grown in esteem over the years and, and when we look back on some of these bad reviews especially some of the specific things that are said about the album from the lyrics to the music it's just we sort of scratch our head you know, what are these people thinking and we're going to read a, just a few of them before we launch into the bulk of the speak pipe submissions that we got and most of these in fact all of these that that we have come from the book a certain chemistry that classic book of big country that was released in the time um, between Steel Town and The Seer. It was, came out before The Seer came out, so Steel Town was the last real big country album that we had. And what's so, what's so funny about this, uh, this book is that they have all these little news clippings throughout the book of reviews, um, some from The Crossing, but many from Steel Town. 
and almost every single one except for one that I'm think that I can remember if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, only one of the Steel Town reviews was positive, and the rest were like not just bad, but some of them really biting. And I thought it was funny that a band would release its own book and, and include all of these negative reviews in the book. But, you know, good for them for doing it. It's almost like them thumbing their nose at the uh, these people saying, I know Stewart had said that in the past. In fact, I was reading a line from him in the country club where they said something like uh, after East of Eden came out and, and it wasn't getting great reviews. And they asked him if it bothered him. And he said something like, you know, sure, it bothers me for a moment or two. But after that, I realize it doesn't affect what I think of the music and what I'm trying to write. And if, if he, if basically to paraphrase, he was just say, saying, if I feel good about what we've done, then that's what matters. And clearly he felt great about Steeltown. So I thought it would be interesting to read a couple of these as we set the stage for some of these uh, speak pipe submissions, most of which are going to be most likely glowing. So here's the first one. Let me, let me take this. And these aren't long. These are just little snippets from the reviews. This comes from page 24 of A Certain Chemistry, if you want to follow along in your big country hymnal. And this woman's name is Julie Bolding. So, Julie, if you're listening, we've got a special message for you after this review. Here's what she says. What makes this album really poor is the repeat of Adamson's cliched common man lyrics. Forever in search of the big statement, Adamson lets his sympathies get in the way of his writing abilities. And the result is a collection of vague socialist sentiments or socialist statements, excuse me, with the biting power of a toothless cat. You're just a woman with a small brain, with a brain a third the size of us. You are a smelly pirate hooker. Why don't you go back to your home on Whore Island? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. I mean, what, what do you... Obviously, no one's going to love every album. We're all, we're all uh, geared up for bad reviews or reviews that don't uh, see eye to eye with what we see but i just can't imagine anyone criticizing the lyrics of this album and um man you have you have probably to see it in the context of what other music was hot at the time and i don't know what kind of music this particular circulation normally reviewed but it strikes me as perhaps in a more pop friendly world with image and colors and wild hairdos the country would never really compete with that and it shouldn't. And if if that's the kind of stuff they normally write about, then this is a compliment. But uh, obviously, these kind of reviews never really do a band favors, except if people check it out to hear if it's really that bad. Right. Uh, so I, 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 it, it it boggles the mind. And this is this is my very diplomatic and trying to be positive interpretation of this because this is this is obviously a load of cod swallop. But uh, I'll, 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 I'll take another one because I'm sitting here with my, to me, spanking new copy of uh, A Certain Chemistry. And I have to thank Oliver Hunter for sending this to me. Uh, so I've had a photocopy of it all these years. But now for the first time I can leaf through and put my finger thumbprints on, on all the pages myself, which is how it should be. And uh, I'll jump to page 28. There's a, a blurb from the Dartmouth Handover uh, the Dark Dartmouth College magazine. So I guess that's yeah. not a, a large publication, but they they gave Steeltown two stars and wrote enough already. Guitars that sound like bagpipes, apocalyptic images of fire and brimstone, folky ballads about war torn lovers, assembly murky rockers about mysterious signs on mountaintops, 
One album, the first one, of this Scott's combo trade inspired rock was plenty. It was also better. You go straight to hell! So, so there we have it. Uh, so they, they seem to even like the first one. And uh, really dislike the second one. And I'm thinking if this is two stars, I'd like to see what they give the one star reviews. Because this yeah. is pretty much slagging the album. Yeah, exactly. It's um, I think it, a lot of these reviews really lend weight to the whole thing about critics being lazy and, and many of them, anyway, giving cursory listens to things. And obviously, a lot of these people did not listen to this album uh, very deeply. Maybe it was something that their editor said, okay, you're, revu- you're reviewing Steel Town this month. You've got to listen to this and five other albums. And they weren't that into Big Country to begin with. They put it on. They heard a couple uh, of the trademark guitar sounds, and they just wrote the review based on that obviously a lot of these people did not delve very deeply especially this julie bolding imbecile into the lyrics of this album and uh etc but yeah it's surprising as you say that this guy would would be so positive about the first album saying it was better etc but yet negative about this one and i think in a way this speaks to sadly what a lot of people were were a lot of critics anyway were, were starting to say about Big Country at this point um, with their second album. They, they, they only heard those very surfacey guitar sounds and, and yeah. they said, oh, it's Big Country again. This is, this is the same bagpipe thing. And, and at this point, we were starting to really get that whole bagpipe gimmick and it was almost like a backlash really forming against the band. Um, it's been so long since the band was... was huge in the consciousness of the music buying public but you have to take yourself back to 1983 and in a big country at least in america and i'm sure in the uk was played constantly it was played on on the radio it was played on mtv they mm-hmm. were up for a grammy here so maybe there was a sense of of burnout of that sound among the casual listeners that's that's kind of what i remember too it's like people that sound was so immediately identifiable even though, really, I mean, yeah, there are some bagpipey type of sounds on Steel Town, but I I can see a huge difference in the music of Steel Town. But I can also see how someone who doesn't care or isn't paying that much attention would hear a couple lines and think, "Oh, it's the same old big country." So that's kind of what we're seeing yeah. in this review, I think. I think so. Plus, people wanted, uh, ironically, despite what you said, I think people wanted the Crossing Part Two, so they're yeah. slagging it off for being the same and this was a criticism that big country always got and i always scratch my head that it all sounds the same it, it clearly does not all sound the same i think each album has their unique identity but again on the surface you hear certain guitar sounds and you hear certain uh parts of lyrical imagery that get up like the last review i said about signs on mountaintops i, I, I don't think you'll find anything like that on steel town uh, far from it but uh, the associations are still there and people are going to read into it what they will so uh, it's like you said it's lazy listening so people put stuff into it that clearly isn't there so yeah. uh, so how much weight should we give these reviews it's it's pretty crap i mean they it's not a serious slag off it's 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 about making funny smart remarks yeah uh, at the expense of the band yeah and i think that the band the fact that the band included them in a certain chemistry really lends you uh, some insight into what they were thinking about these reviews. They're, they're like, hey, we're not going um, to hide from these reviews. We're going to print them here to show you how, how stupid these people are. And I think, <laughs> I think that's why they did it. I really do. I, 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 they have nothing word, to lose by printing these reviews. Absolutely nothing to lose. 
Right, exactly. And and obviously the only person that's going to be buying a certain chemistry is someone who's really into the band already. Yeah. So they're going to be reading these reviews and being even more angered. <laughs> so uh, if we can uh, borrow from, from the KISS vernacular, as we always do, the big country army, we're, we're being incensed probably reading these reviews. I know I was at the time. I, I've had this book since about 87 or so. So, um, yeah, there's just one more that I want to read, and this one is a little bit longer, so uh, just a couple paragraphs. But it's I've got something really to, uh, to add to this one that I think renders it even more idiotic. Um, so bear with me for a second, because some of these are hard to read, even with uh, reader glasses that I have on at the moment. So um, here we go. This comes from Twin Cities Night Beat. I don't, I don't have any idea what that is. Obviously, these are coming from local papers here in America. So this person says, uh, playing like they want to be either U2 or the police, Big Country continues to chart salt-of-the-earth salt themes with angular splashes of bright color and more ascending guitar lines than The Edge ever dreamed of. These melodic bursts leave listeners stranded at the peaks, but the view from the top is obscured by a flimsy optimism. It sounds self-consciously artsy, rather than capable of generating urban visions of a serene rock pastoral. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> what kind of idiot is this? Okay, and now here's the part that really gets me, and we're going to show you why here in a second. But he says, Billy Joel essayed the plight of the kin at the end of everything, the disenfranchisement labor force of the American steel industry in the song Allentown, better than Steeltown does in its dull entirety. How come these Scots always sound like they stepped from some 19th century period piece rather than from Maggie Thatcher's dilapidated labor force? Um, it isn't because their sound doesn't seem modern. Producer Steve Lillywhite fixes it up so that Big Country's guitars skyrocket into nowhere. But when the smoke clears, it's still a gray day in Big Country. So, okay, so this, well, first, here's our response to this guy. What the hell are you? You're a fucking secretary. Fuck you! Yeah, that's my message to you. Fuck you and kiss my ass. What an idiot. What a dirty little Dutch buffle brain bastard. So this guy, this moron, um, says that Billy Joel uh, wrote about the steel industry, in, in his case, in the American steel industry, better than uh, the song Steel Town in its, in, in its dull entirety, he says. So let's let's consider some of the lines from Steel Town. We, well, we already know them. I, I came here with all my kin at the end of everything. Grim as the Reaper with a heart like hell, with a river of bodies tolling with the bell. I mean, we'll talk about these more later. But just incredible poetry throughout this album, and in, incredible poetry in the al in the song itself, Steel Town. And here here are the lyrics from Allentown, the very first lyrics of of the song. Well, we're living here in Allentown, and they're closing all the factories down. <laughs> so that is better i i take it for for this imbecile than the uh than the poetic beauty of steel town's lyrics uh it's just it's it's mind-blowing that someone would uh would make that comparison it's more understandable yeah it's well it's like right in, right in your indifferent. face yeah <laughs> in your face I, I guess i guess if uh i guess if billy joe had written a song called war is bad he would say War is bad destroys where the rose is sown. It's it's so much better. It's so much more understandable. I mean, it, that's that's terrible lyric writing. Those lyrics are like 
child scrawl compared to what Stuart wrote. It's not even in the same universe. So, yeah, this kind of stuff, I mean, 30 years later, it's still angering me. <laughs> I'm going to track down, is the writer's name? No, the writer's name isn't No, here. it's not listed. That's the, that's the thing that bothers me. And, oh, God. I would have tracked down the person who wrote this, gotten them on the show. And had them have a debate with you, with lawyer Tom, dissecting <laughs> uh, Allentown. And I would be the neutral, quote-unquote, mediator yes. in the middle. It sounds self-consciously artsy. Rather than capable of generating urban visions of a serene rock pastoral. <laughs> well, you're not giving <laughs> a certain voice either. You're, you're reading this with poetry in mind. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing that someone could write that. Which it's is incredible. Like a, like an ac- academic attempt at, at appearing intelligent and uh, and then not get the lyrics of Steel Town. So all I can think of is that I go back to these guys weren't listening and they weren't paying attention. Yeah. No, clearly that's the case. And uh, yeah. and we're going to dissect that a bit as we get more into the deep dives. But I think at this point we're more than ready to launch the the <laughs> speak pipes while, while we still have room left in this episode for them. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So... We'll just launch into them, and uh, we asked people to introduce themselves, and for the most part, they do. And uh, this is the first batch. G'day, I'm Dwayne from Gravelly Beach in Tasmania, Australia, and I'm here to talk a little bit about Steel Town. Um, I still remember the day I picked it up from the record store. I bought one for me, one for my uncle. It was absolutely amazing to see that artwork. Uh, in 12 inch. It wasn't the first big country album that I'd had. The first big country album I actually had was The Seer. Uh, but the, the difference between Steel Town and The Seer to me was because Steel Town is my favourite big country album. Uh, but the difference between The Seer was there are songs on there that I always uh, are drawn to. So I'll I'll pick out those songs and I'll, I'll thrash those. Whereas with, the, with Steel Town, I like to listen to that as a whole album. So if Big Country had any album uh, as a whole that you need to listen to from start to finish, for me, Steel Town is that album. Um, I noticed immediately the first time I heard it, the production was very, very different to The Seer. The Seer was a lot more polished. Um, and Steel Town immediately didn't appeal to me. Um, but I think the... the the, the heavy industrial sound, the wall of sound production behind it that Steve, Steve Lillywhite did um, has, has really got something magical about it. And Steeltown gets uh, ripped into a lot because of that production, but it's a, precisely that production that I love. Um, Girl with Grey Eyes was one of my favourite tunes. I think the only tune I didn't really like off Steeltown at first was Rain Dance. I thought that that was the only one that didn't fit in. But these days, I must have mellowed in my old age because I really love Rain Dance now and, as I said, love the whole album. And uh, if I was to choose any big country album uh, to listen to, uh, Steel Town is always the first one I'll go for. Hello, guys. Uh, this is Negative One. Um, I just wanted to give my thoughts about Steel Town. And um, even though it's a great album... I don't think it's the best one that they've had. Um, the Crossing is actually more of my favorite. Um, and the reason for that is I think they missed the mark on a lot of the songs on this album. And uh, for instance, uh, Come Back to Me is, is kind of a slow ballad. Just a Shadows, another slow ballad. Um, 
the rain dance doesn't quite work and neither does girl with the gray eye so with that many songs um not quite hitting the mark i don't really think it's fair to call this a great album now uh, some of my favorite songs are on here east of eden is an awesome song steel town's really good flame of the west is good tall ship go is really good so um you know they did a good job on a lot of the songs but um and the theme is there it's just that it was more of a sophomore jinx and i think um you know after already hearing their kind of trademark sound on the crossing it was very hard for them to follow up on that so um i know it's not a popular uh, thought maybe about this album but um you know that's how i feel about it so thanks for listening Hi Sven Tom, this is Dermot from Belfast, Northern Ireland, responding to Sven's challenge. Steel Town, what can you say? I could talk for an hour about it, but the most vivid memory I have still is this thing to just a shadow, 8485, growing up, feeling all sorts of uh, teenage angst, etc, etc. It helped me, it seen, saw me through, it took me through for the rest of my life. I still listen to Steel, or it's just a shadow. Still makes the hairs in the back of my neck stand up. My all-time favourite song, it has to be said, the rest of the album. Tall Ships Go, again, still every time I still Tall Ships Go and Learning to Row, for me, mixed into each other. Brilliant songs. Uh, what else? East of Eden, dark brooding again, teenage years. Just a, the classic old time album. I'm more friendly with Steel Town than The Crossing. Just with a Steel Town as my album. But that's me for the moment. As I said, I go on for hours and hours, but keep up the brilliant work and I look forward to hearing this episode. Cheers, thank you, bye bye. Hi, uh, my name is Gary and I'm from Oxford, uh, England and um, I'm going to talk a little bit about my thoughts on the uh, Big Country Steel Town album. I think it's very difficult to talk about an album that, that's been around for 30 years and so much part of my life. I, I think a little bit about leaving school and starting my first job when this album came out. Um, so it's very difficult to be critical and analyse it too much. It's, the songs are very much part of my life. But what I can say, my thoughts are that I don't believe it to be the greatest album ever made, um, nor do I believe it to be the best big country album. I think that is the, the Crossing album. I, but I... I still think that Steel Town, as most people think, it sits up there with the, the trilogy of albums, The Crossing, Steel Town and The Seer as being the band's best work. Um, but my, my thoughts are that, like many people, it, it suffered from um, a production problem. The muddy, clustered production has always been a problem. Um, secondly, I feel that the album lacked a killer hit single. It didn't have an In A Big Country. It didn't have a Fields of Fire. It didn't have even a King of Emotion. It didn't have a big hit single. Uh, something that uh, something that was missing. And thirdly, I, I feel that the album just slips a little bit 
towards the end uh, before recovering with just a shadow. Um, so my 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 thoughts are that it that it's very very much part of my life. It's very very much up there with some of my favourite music ever, and that it always will be. Um, but I just think it sits below the crossing for me as being uh, the band's best work. Um, thank you very much. That's my thoughts on it for now. Um, I'll see you guys later and keep up the good work. Goodbye. Hello, this is Adam Saltis of Greensboro, North Carolina. My first comment about Steel Town addresses a song that isn't even on Steel Town, Wonderland, the 12-inch single that was released in January of 1984, nine months before the release of the album proper. On one hand, this song seems to be the perfect bridge between the joyful optimism of The Crossing into the more introspective and darker sound of Steel Town. However, I wonder if by leaving this off, the band cost themselves the hit single that this album so desperately needed for commercial validability. It was a top 10 hit in England, but made just a blip on the U.S. charge, which I don't think honestly know what to do with standalone songs like this. I don't know if this would have fit into Steel Town either stylistically or in terms of sheer physical space, but I can't help but wonder if this could have been the difference maker to the album's popularity stateside. Do you historians know the story behind this? Maybe the band was just incredibly forward-looking, knowing that one day we would all be forced to spend $15 in the greatest hits package just to get this one song. After talking about what this record is, I'd like to briefly address two things it is not. You can't dance to it, and the vast majority of the songs cannot be replicated live. I really do wonder what the band was trying to achieve with this, and what the market was supposed to be. Although I personally love it, I do wonder where they thought it would be consumed, and how it would ultimately play on. Okay, so some interesting thoughts there from you guys, and uh, we're just going to comment on a couple of them that that maybe strike our interest um, immediately. I and mean, We can't necessarily talk about each one of you guys, but we completely appreciate each one of you for submitting these. Some of them are great personal stories. Some of them are, are interesting insights into what the band could have done. And I think one of those is, is Adam Saltis's question there at the end. Um, what about Wonderland? What, should the band have saved Wonderland for the Steeltown album? And I think he makes an interesting point because that song really was certainly is much more single-worthy than anything off of Steeltown um, when you're just talking about what would make it onto the charts. But uh, I have to say I agree with his... I think he kind of answers his own question when he says it just really wouldn't have fit thematically with the album at all. And um, I don't think Big Country was in a position at that point where they were worried so much about a single. I think that came after this album <laughs> when it didn't really have any charting good charting singles. Um, I think they were just really at their peak here as far as their artistic freedom and they and i think the album speaks to that unfortunately commerce always seems to find its way in uh after the fact but um yeah i think wonderland could have been a uh, a great track obviously on the on any album but i would have to agree i don't think it really fits with steel town and and in, in that respect i'm kind of glad it's not on steel town wouldn't it be a, a fun experiment though to have it uh, side by side with the steel town the song first you have the the grimmest of possible scenarios and then you have wonderland <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> exactly. no, that, that that one would grind a bit for uh, for me as far as steel town being an album listening experience where there is a theme and we we can't really call it a concept album but there still is a concept there 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 is there is a theme that goes through the album like a red thread and there certainly are 
concept albums out there with less of a red thread than Steeltown has. So uh, Wonderland would definitely have severed that thread pretty hard when that song had cut in. There's no I mean, question. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and there is a hint of, of menace maybe at times in Wonderland. And he is talking about the working man and that kind of thing. So mm. it's certainly not a completely, uh, you know, opposite type of tune to what you find on Steel Town. But, yeah, I, I, I like the idea of it being a bridge type of song. But, uh, yeah, I don't think it t- totally would have fit. But um, And interesting, we've got some comments uh, about some of the songs that um, aren't as preferred from negative from negative one if that is your real name sir <laughs> i'm assuming it is not but um yeah i think that's it's interesting where people's um opinions on on these songs obviously vary from album to album clearly but uh yeah it was it was interesting to hear someone mention just a shadow not being a favorite i think most people really point to that one as a big favorite on on the steel town album in fact, um, looking at an older Country Club issue, they took a poll of the fans' favorite songs from Steeltown. Sort of like what we would do, I guess, on, on The Great Divide between the two of us. They did it between like a couple hundred entries. And from, from number one to number ten, favorite songs on Steeltown, the top song was Just a Shadow. Number two was Steeltown. Number three, Where the Rose is Sown. Number four, Rain Dance. Five, Come Back to Me. Six, Tall Ships Go. Seven, East of Eden. Then Girl with Gray Eyes at 8, The Great Divide at number 9, come on. And number 10, which did not even get a single vote, if you can believe that, was Flame of the West. That's just incredible. Isn't that amazing? That that boggles my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm very sorry, but it's going to be very evident when we launch into our deep dive after these speak pipes that that song is, that's, it's, it's not just one of my favorites on this album, it's one of my favorite songs. But anyway, some great insights from that first batch. And again, we're, we're really letting a lot of these just stand on their own without commenting on every single one. Otherwise, this would be a huge, long show. So uh, let's, let's play the next batch now. Yeah, a familiar voice. Hey, Dobbins Vine. It's Arlen from Maryland. First off, thanks for keeping The Great Divide going. So finally, almost, what, 40 episodes into The Great Divide history, we've finally come to the Godzilla of big country albums, Steel Town, my favorite big country album ever. You know, I'll never forget the first time I heard Steel Town. I was driving by myself on the Colorado Rockies with the top down, and I popped the cassette in the player, and from the first notes of Flame of the West, I was absolutely transfixed. I was mesmerized. I actually had to pull over to the side of the road and, shivering in the cold, listen to that album straight through. Uh, but, you know, the, the chimes and chainsaw style of guitar playing was just unlike anything I'd ever heard before. Even though the crossing had been my, I'd, I'd played that cassette so much, I'd worn it out. I was still not prepared for what was coming out of the speakers on the first four songs on Steel Town. The music was, was powerful and strong, but at the same time, it was supple and beautiful. The, the melodies were complex. The lyrics seemed important. The, the, the singing was smoky um, and opaque. The bass playing, with, with Tony was playing the bass like a lead instrument, and Mark was drumming like he had eight arms. I'd never heard anything like that before or really since. I'll tell you how much I love that album. I love that album so much that the next day I broke up the band I was playing in. You know, um, guitarists like The Edge and uh, Mick Jones and Charlie Burchill had actually convinced me that it was possible to learn how to play guitar. Uh, but after hearing those first four songs on Steel Town, I decided that there was um, both no point <laughs> and no need of learning to play guitar. So um, 
you know, 30 years on, I'm not surprised that this album still speaks to people and it still moves them. And thank you guys for giving it um, just a little bit more of the spotlight it deserves. Hello everyone, this is Kenny Henderson from Glasgow. Steel Town is 30 years old this year, but for me it's only about 28 because I only seriously got into big country around 1986. When the Crossing and Steel Town came out, I was too young to be really seriously into music. I loved In a Big Country and Fields of Fire, but it was only after Restless Natives came out that I really took notice of the band. In a way, that was great because I didn't have that long wait for the albums to come out. Um, one of the biggest criticisms I hear about Steel Town is that it sounds too harsh. For me, that was the main thing that appealed to me from the start. At the time, I would only listen to music that was full on and loud. I was listening to Metal, I was really into the Beastie Boys, who were my other favourite band at the time, and actually still one of my favourites. Uh, so if Steel Town had been more subdued, it maybe wouldn't have appealed to me as much. There's some songs on the album that are typical big country barnstormers, songs like Where the Roses Sown and Flame of the West, but even the more subtle songs like East of Eden and Just a Shadow still have that really full-on sound. So it was initially the music that appealed to me, but as time went on, I started to pay more and more attention to the lyrics. And I think that lyrically it's maybe the band's best album. Um, being young and impressionable at the time I was first listening to it, the lyrics had a big effect on me. They were obviously very dark, but at the same time had a great sense of hope. And that probably summed up a lot of my feelings at the time. Uh, the lyrics actually come in useful too. When I was in my last year at high school, I was taking my higher English exam. One of the papers asks you to write about someone that inspires you. I wrote about what Stuart's songwriting meant to me and the lyrics from Steel Town were heavily featured in what I wrote. So I've got the album to thank for getting me through my English exam and especially the song Just a Shadow. That's uh, my favourite song on the album and one of my all-time favourites from the band. Uh, my top ten will change all the time but it's safe to say Just a Shadow is never out of the top two or three. So happy birthday Steel Town and I can't wait to hear everyone else's views on it. I'm especially looking forward to hearing what Tom and Svein have to say. I'm hoping you guys will have some furious disagreements about it because those episodes are always the best. Hey Tom and Svein, this is David Brown calling in from San Diego, California where I am for the next month or so. Uh, I just wanted to talk about Steel Town. I know you guys are collecting uh, speak pipes about it and for me, I really wanted to call in about this um, more than just about any other topic you've been talking about because the album still is one of my favorites, probably my favorite. Um, and at the time, my memory is I was 16 and was totally obsessed with Big Country. I was already a country club uh, member. I was living in America with only a few friends that even really knew who the band was. But, you know, the Wonderland single had come out, uh, the U.S. tour was on, although I was too young to actually get in, which was just agonizing. But, uh, you know, there was a, a live show from Texas that was simulcast on the radio, and I was tuned in, and it, there was just so much excitement. Saturday Night Live, too, I was just thinking about that. But it was all crossing material, so when I was thinking about, at that time, what Steel Town would sound like, I really wasn't prepared. And when East of Eden came out, I was not loving that single. I, I liked the production a lot, and I liked the energy of it, and of course Prairie Rose was awesome. Um, but East of Eden as a single was not my favorite, so I was a little concerned. And I, when I bought the album, Steel Town, I remember I was in my local record store in Connecticut, 
and I could not wait. I went the day it came out. Uh, there was a guy there that was buying all the British stuff for the store that was already a Skids and Big Country fan, so he had me covered, which was uh, very good. Um, but when I listened to the album, I remember feeling like there were higher highs and then lower lows as compared to The Crossing. And what I mean is that some songs like Tall Ships Go and Flame of the West still are among my all-time favorites, but other songs like Girl with Gray Eyes, you know, just didn't do it for me. And I think part of it was the production. You know, it's a lot of, everyone always talks about the mixing and the production, too much, too many sounds, and, uh, you know, it's just this wall of sound that uh, is hard to listen to. It's an album that is hard to listen to, I think, and it doesn't, it doesn't have the same catchiness as uh, some of the tracks from The Crossing, as we've, I know you guys have talked about in the past, and I definitely felt that way. But, um... All in all, I do think it's one of my favorite albums. I think it has a certain kind of mystery to it, and that's because at the time I knew so little about the band in terms of uh, seeing video performances and, and, and just really relying on still photos and, and information in the country club. So there was a lot of mystery around the album that I think is part of what I feel when I listen to it. Um, so that's really about it. I mean, I'm, I'm like everybody. I would wish there were demos. I, I wish so much that uh, the, the demos had survived or that even the in-studio uh, raw performances were saved because I would like to hear this album dissected uh, and broken down. Hello, this is John Lewis with My Steel Town Story. I loved Big Country's music from the beginning, but for whatever reason didn't start buying albums until the Seer. Imagine getting to know the music from the Seer then The Crossing, and then Steel Town. Becoming familiar with those three albums in that order was an epiphany, maybe as religious an experience as I can have. I've often wondered about the five songs from Tall Ships Go Through Just a Shadow. It seems like they might be telling a longer story, or maybe the same story from different perspectives. Someday maybe I'll try to work it out. I love the whole album, but it's the last three songs from that set of five that really stand out for me. I remember listening to Just a Shadow over and over and doing it again when I bought the extended version. The way the guitars drive out the last minute and a half of the song, and even more in the extended version, is very emotional. Stewart had said that Just a Shadow was about domestic abuse, but before I'd heard that I'd taken it to be about being beaten down by life. I suppose it isn't much different, sadly. It struck a chord for me, though, as an emotional bag of teenage hormones. Great Divide. If ever there was a more upbeat song about how life is nasty, brutish, and short, I've yet to hear it. Granted, the lyrics are some of the most difficult to unpack of any of Big Country's lyrics, but there's a lot of desperation there. And suddenly I find the truth, and all it is is size and youth, are deeply sad lyrics. And here comes a sign of hope, a length of rope to measure all our living. For me, recalls the golden thread from Greek mythology that the fates cut when your story is done. Finally, Rain Dance, the unmistakable use of Native American themes, a song about the changing of the seasons and the passage of time. What strikes me, though, is the sinister way each season is mentioned. It comes with the sadness that the autumn brings, and later, where will we find the newborn year as the winter crashes down? Autumn is sad, winter is brutal. And of course there's the frost that the spring can bring. Not sure what the cattle brand is doing there. No mention of summer, either, but summer songs are kind of fluffy, and this song isn't fluffy. Big Country are often called an anthemic band, and Steel Town is them at their most anthemic. Not fist-pumping, chest-pounding anthemic, but maybe a little of that too. 
but something more emotional and cerebral. Loud longing, hope, and despair. Glorious. Shot! Okay, another interesting group of comments there. And uh, John Lewis heads it up there at the end. And uh, some great, interesting thoughts from you, John. Uh, thank you to all you guys for those. And I think John clearly, uh, he and I have the same mindset when it comes to certain songs, especially The Great Divide, that, that one line, all it is is size and youth has always hit me hard as well. Um, and it, it's so funny when you hear people reciting a lot of, the, lot of these lyrics back, it, it still just takes your breath away sometimes how great that they really are. And uh, no difference there. And again, we've got someone else who, uh, like me and like many of you, I think, too, we're, we're just... Uh, a bag of teenage hormones at the time so this this type of music really was almost the perfect soundtrack to all that that feeling of questioning and trying to figure things out and realizing that a lot of things are harder to figure out than your uh childlike self thought but um yeah great insights there hmm. yeah definitely uh, i kind of um this goes a bit into the deep dive discussion which we'll we'll have shortly after these uh speak pipes but uh, man, it's uh, for some reason. Even though Rain Dance, I think he mentioned it, Native American imagery, and it took years before that even hit me as, as that. It was uh, for me. It was more about just the the joy that when when rain came in the autumn. So, I have grandparents who are farmers, and I would be there just waiting for the rain and for that to come. And then that this goes back to imagery from the crossing. I, I also recognize what David Brown is saying that when when the album when I first put it on I, I was not prepared for the sound, and like him I did not really care for the single but the album sucked me in, and uh, it goes back again to to Flame of the West was my entry point and it was like holy shit, and that 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 feeling will will stay with me and the fact that I was cut off at half point like I told in the last episode, and uh, the crushing was one thing. And Steel Town built on that. And then you have all these glorious stories that emerge over the years. And believe me, these lyrics have matured and emerged over the years. And that's that's a journey that I'm still on. So it's, it's fascinating to hear other perspectives. Hey guys, this is Lisa Cannell. Um, I just wanted to give you my thoughts on the Steel Town album and what it means to me. Um... When I first heard the album, I was actually at Marshall University, and I was working late one night on the yearbook. And um, my editor had Steel Town blasting from her portable boombox, and though I had heard Big Country and liked Big Country, um, it just immediately caught my attention. It really didn't sound like the things that I, that I had heard before, however... It was unmistakably big country, if that makes any sense. Um, there's a bunch of great songs on this album. I would say, though, that uh, probably my favorite song is um, either Tall Ships Go or um, Flame of the West, uh, strictly for the brilliant guitar work. Um, I guess the reason is, is I am such a shite guitar player myself, and I don't know if I can say shite on the speak pipe. If I can't, feel free to bleep me out, I'll understand. Um, 
but I do really appreciate the uh, effort that goes into learning to play guitar and people who play well um, just amaze me never I mean constantly um, I guess my second favorite song on that album would have to be Where the Rose is Sown. And I guess that that particular song um, just really, really takes me to Scotland. Um, you know, if I guess if you can learn, yearn for some place you've never been, then I'm there. Um, and I guess that's one of the things that I love the most about Big Country is... I can close my eyes, and that music just takes me there. And um, if I ever get to go, at least I have the music and I can listen to it. Um, but anyway, I might have not said anything in this message that's worth a hoot, um, but I just love this album. And um, so, you know, it, it's it's not a very analytical review, Um but anyway, I just wanted to give my two cents, and I wanted to thank um, the podcast guys for keeping it real, and um, I enjoy all the episodes, and I look forward to hearing what everybody else has to say. So anyway, thanks a lot, and stay alive, guys. Hi, this is Klaus. It took me quite a while to make up my mind on which aspects to focus on the speak pipe, and if Swine hadn't kicked our lazy butts, I probably would have missed the chance, though. Thanks, Juan. Um, first off, while I'm hailing from Chile these days, I spent my childhood in Germany's main coal and steel region. When Steeltown came out, we had long moved away through the East Westphalian countryside, and I already developed a sort of nostalgic feeling towards my old home region. And to this day, I find a picture of an old, dirty industrial facility much more appealing than, let's say, an idyllic green meadow or blue lake or something like that. So, of course, the artwork and the lyrics of the album resonated very strongly within me from day one. The music, not so much. My taste at the time, I'm ashamed to say, was very much dominated by the pop charts. And while I've loved the country since Fields of Fire, I needed to work myself into enjoying Steeltown, as weird as that sounds. Interesting enough, my early favorites of the album, Rain Dance and Girl with Grey Eyes, that perhaps are slightly more accessible than the other tracks, now wouldn't even make it into my top 50 of the country songs anymore. Um, we now know that the density of the album is in part due to the band being borrowed and having nothing else to do than putting in just another guitar track. But even if it's by accident, the results fits the imagery. Without having to resort to something like hammers beating on steel pipes or so, this album on a much deeper level sounds like a steel town. And that all those um, individual bits and pieces contribute to and, and vanish within a much more complex sound structure. And that's also why I think that overall Steeltown produced the best 12-inch mixes, because there was no need to add something to make them interesting, just emphasizing one or other sound part a bit more and out came something completely fresh. I still remember that when I heard the 12-inch version of uh, Where the Roses Sound the first time, I thought, hey, they added a new guitar lick, and then later found out that it was hidden in the original song all along. Okay, I'll stop here before I completely lose the focus of this, and back to you guys. Hey Tom, Swine, it's Mark Cole in very wet, windy, miserable Devon in the UK. Just getting in touch regarding the 30th Steel Town Anniversary Pod and my feelings on it. Um, I can't really say anything that won't be said already, I shouldn't imagine, but having listened to it 
an awful lot again with the reissue recently. The one thing it has brought back is the memories of being a 14-year-old in my bedroom, listening to it on vinyl just non-stop. And even having the cassette and listening to it on my Walkman to school and back every day, knowing exactly when to stop and flip the cassette to get certain songs from the beginning again to save the battery so you didn't forward and rewind. And just the crazy memories of trying to nail the guitar parts, just impossible with not just Bruce and Stewart's brilliant parts, but the layering and overdubs and just crazily trying to work it out, but not being able to. Far better people than me have worked it out since Martin Aston and then yourself, Tom, but you know what I'm saying. Um, and everything about it, everything I loved about music, I mean, Big Country had already grabbed me by that time, but with the electronic scene being such a strong force, Big Country was everything that I, I wanted in music with just big brilliant drums incredible bass and just the guitars just and steel town just had that times a hundred and it'll always have a big place in my heart and it's obviously top five albums of all time by any group for me but um it's just putting a smile on my face thinking about it now but great pod guys love listening to it i haven't been on facebook very much lately trying to wean myself off it but keeping up to date with the pod and looking forward to this one so mark cole exeter devon uk saying goodbye cheers guys hi tom and svine and all the other great dividers it's mark dunwillows here from the northeast of england giving you my views about steel town what a brilliant album what can i say i first got it as a teenager when i was um i was actually doing a paper round and much as in the same way nowadays i listen to a lot of music in the car in those days, I used to listen to the music on a little cassette Walkman as I wandered around delivering newspapers. And uh, I was listening to U2, Simple Minds. As I say, I did have The Crossing. Um, and I got Steel Town, absolute game changer for me. Absolute game changer. And I think just the, the, the way it starts, Flame of the West, straight into other tracks, and you just think it, it, can't, it can't continue like this, but it does. And it keeps it up for virtually the whole album. Absolutely amazing. Um, just the the word that I kept coming back to was emphatic. It's absolutely emphatic the way Stuart sings it, the way the guitars are played, the way the bass pulls it along. Really, really good. One uh, memory that did come back very strongly for me is that a lot of people think it's a very dense album, it's hard to listen to, or Tony once said demands more of the listener. I was um, the little... Walkman thing I had I had a pair of in-ear earbud things um, the first pair I'd ever had I seem to have hundreds of them now just loads of them for some reason um, and I think that saved it to a degree for me I mean I think the clarity that I was able to listen to and the guitar swooping in and swooping out again you know it, it, it just worked I mean I didn't I, I never saw that as a problem it's a different production but that's fine absolutely fine um, one funny thing I do remember is that my little Walkman had a bass boost on, little bass boost switch, and I remember I always used to have that on because my music sounded better with it on. Um, but within about ten bars of Flame of the West, I had to switch it off because it was just making it so muddy and it was just all over the place. And it was quite funny. I thought, oh God, what? No, no, I'm going to have to switch this off if I'm going to stand a chance of listening to this music. Um, so yeah, brilliant album. 
low points, girl with grey eyes, a bit boring. The drums are good. They nailed the guitar sound live, which was brilliant. Um, and come back to me, I don't know, Stuart singing as a woman, was there not a better way to do that? Um, but overall, what an album, an album of intros. Um, Tall Ships Go, Great Divide, other ones, and even the ones that aren't in your face, they're sort of winding up and winding up, so Steel Town, East of Eden. I love the guitars at the end of East of Eden. And I also love, my favourite bit, probably the very beginning of Come Back to Me, where the, the sound, where all the, everything kicks in at once. Um, I'm just had another memory that that you could use, um, and you'll have to edit this back a bit, obviously. Um, so I remember when I I got Steel Town, and um, a lot of my friends at the time were sort of laughing at me, saying, "God, dear me, you know the crossing was quite big, wide open spaces, all of that." And Steel Town was so unremittingly bleak and sad, and I was going, "No, it's not. You have to listen to it. Some of it's quite triumphant and." the guitars are still grand and all of this sort of thing. And they go, no, no, it's not, it's not. And we used to gather around a friend's house and listen to records sometime. Bear in mind, around that time, my friends were listening to Frankie Goes to Hollywood and Go West and Curiosity Kill the Cat, all these terrible, terrible bands. But um, I put Steel Town on and they, get, they would just say, no, it's terrible. And I said, no, no, it's not. Listen, listen to side two. So we've survived side one and I flip it over. And of course, the first line is, I dreamed I heard that you were dead. Oh, you know, I, I lived with that for years when they're going to still listen to that miserable music. Um, I suppose that's not a problem for me. I mean, that's not a problem. I mean, I think if you put in, you know, happy, happy song in the middle of Steel Town, it doesn't work at all because to me it's almost a concept album about the situation, about people's experiences, and, and, and it would be disloyal to the sort of experience to put that in. But I suppose one thing, and it is a critique of Steel Town itself from me, is that uh, I suppose there, there is nothing about the community and there's nothing about the strength and happiness that was that came from the community to the individual. And you know, I grew up, I grew up in um, County Durham, where there's steel steel towns, um, and I worked on the northeast coast in a steel factory at one point. I don't anymore. Um, and you know, a lot of my family. I mean, most of my family. Um, were worked in the coal field in Northumberland, so there were miners and or mine workers. And yes, it was terrible. Yes, it was hard. Yes, they were sold down the river. But there were times of absolute, you know, strength and happiness um, drawn from the community or from the local, I don't know, gatherings. Um, and that's not reflected on there anywhere. I mean, I just think maybe one song at the end to say, yeah, it's all very awful, but, you know come on people get together sort of thing it is unremitting it is bleak I don't have a problem with that apart from it we have to remember it only reflects part of the experience of people at the time um, so anyway that's my additional three minutes chop it back as you see fit and I'll speak to you soon okay bye okay another great batch and uh, it's always great to hear Lisa's voice again as well and all of you guys um, and Mark Dunwillows, that was uh, just a really, really fascinating bit of information you shared there about your own family life. And I think you bring up a great point that we maybe never really consider is that it's it would be maybe uh, I mean, maybe the album didn't want to leave you on a on a high note from an artistic standpoint. But if you're someone who experienced a lot of the situations that the album references, 
I'm sure that uh, I'm sure there were obviously good times as well as a lot of these bad times. It couldn't have been so black and white. So I think that that idea of not mentioning some of the moments of community and and those types of things that certainly must have happened there, where people bonded and and loved life and then mm-hmm. had things that they loved and enjoyed. It's actually a really interesting point that I never considered. Um, I think one thing to keep in mind, at least from my perspective, is that even though we all know a lot of this was influenced by the situations of steel towns in the UK and those types of things, as, as I mentioned on past episode, on the past roundtable episode, for me, who, who wasn't aware of that, even though I knew it was talking about those things, to me, it was more like an abstract thing about the emotions you're going through as a young person. And um, so I didn't reference the whole, I didn't take every song to be about the the labor situation and those types of things but if you were someone who grew up in that and you can recognize those lyrics as referencing you and your situation i'm sure that uh maybe you would have said hey it, it was bad but it wasn't all bad <laughs> yeah no that that was a profound comment to me too and um i i was far removed from those situations growing up uh but but i i kind of recognized that song the song Steel Town for for being about those type of situation, but obviously if you if you're one of those people who were in Corby when when the steel mill was closed down, I'm sure some people would say yeah it was like that it was that bleak and there's probably people in the same same location saying well yeah some things happened but it wasn't all that bad because then this happened etc etc so there's always individual perspective and obviously Stuart wrote it out of a deep, I guess, sympathy is too uh, too mild a word. He was innocent at, at what was going on, and he um, he he wrote about it. It's almost like a battle song on behalf of the people who who was touched by what was yeah. going on. So, so I think that that is an important perspective. But again, it's uh, it's one specific view. It's obviously not a documentary. Yeah, and and it it also lends back to the overriding point of Steeltown and and its quote unquote failure from a commercial sense. I mean, Mark put it perfectly there. A lot of his friends were were saying, "This is so bleak and depressing. We don't want to hear this." And that's probably why it didn't uh, have the overall reach as something like The Crossing did, which was so much fun and triumphant and it had that great positive <laughs> sense uh, that Steeltown yeah. doesn't have that at all. So. From an artistic standpoint, it's it's an incredible work. From a commercial standpoint, you can see why the suits were thinking, "Oh man, what do we have on our hands here?" <laughs> you know, there's nothing we can release that's going to be like uh, in a big country was. But um, anyway, we'll we'll talk about that more down the down the road when we get more deeply into this. But uh, we have to yeah, laugh great. at uh, Mark's uh, comment that he finally managed to flip the side and he heard disagreeing <laughs> that you were dead. Hits <laughs> <Yeah, that's great. laughs> the mark, doesn't it? Oh, it sure does. Okay, so next and final batch of these speak pipe submissions. Here we go. Hi, this is Oliver Hunter in the UK, sending my first speak pipe submission to the Big Country podcast. My thanks must go to Tom, Svine, and John, of course, for continuing to produce such a great series of groundbreaking, informative, and very funny podcasts. That said, I'm here to talk about Steeltown which was actually the third Big Country album I listened to. I was a little late to the party, first being introduced to The Seer, quickly followed by The Crossing and finally Steeltown. I initially found the album very dense and dark, a much heavier sound than the first two I'd listened to, and it took a few listens to really get into it. 
These days I often listen to the album at the gym or in the car and think it could possibly have become my favourite big country album, or at least the one I listen to most often. At first I was unaware of the political meanings behind some of the songs, taking the lyrics at face value and finding some of them quite confusing. I think it was actually in a country club magazine that I learned that Flame of the West was about Reagan and that Steel Town was about the town of Corby, which is now just up the road from me. This gave a whole new angle to the album and enabled me to listen to it again with fresh ears. I think that the fact that over half the songs on the album have been played on nearly every tour over the years is testament to their greatness and popularity. I love songs that tell a story, and the fact that this album has two songs that go together to tell a longer story makes it all the more special. Who could imagine listening to Where the Rose is Sown without it running into Come Back to Me? Sometimes the videos accompanying the singles add to the emotion. I can still remember seeing the video for East of Eden for the first time and being spellbound by the sad story that unfolds. Having just watched it again, it's something that still pulls at the heartstrings even now. I like the way that some songs have evolved and changed slightly over the years of playing live, such as the gap the band leave when playing Steeltown, after the line, the call of the steel that would never stop. They've kept this change when playing it live on the current tour. Seeing the band playing the entire album was an enormous pleasure, and akin to listening to the album with headphones in your front room, with 400 other people, and I'm looking forward to repeating the experience at the Stables in Milton Keynes in December. Well, that's probably enough of me rambling on now, so thanks again guys, and this is Oliver Hunter, signing off. I'm Corey Crowley, and this is my journey to Steeltown. As I previously mentioned, when I listened to a tourneer to write about it, I became a bit more melancholy than I had expected. I had to take a break and listen to some other music. When I thought about what it was like back in the good old days, I ended up listening to some other period pieces like Allentown. Economic times were not well, and one of our most prevalent fears as teenagers was that of MAD, mutually assured destruction in an almost in- inevitable World War III that seemed to right around the corner. Steeltown reflects many of those fears, dying in war, loved ones left behind, and yet it's some unborn. The winter sky caused by the contamination due to that war, although the threat of war between superpowers seems less likely, many of these themes remain present in our world of today. I had purchased the Crossing and Wonderland EPs on cassette to take with me commercial fishing during the summer. During this time of not listening to the radio, I discovered how short the life of a song was. When I would return at the end of the summer, the music had all changed. However, from the very first notes of Flame of the West, neatly positioned with the East of Eden to the right side, I might add, it was what I was expecting from big country. Being in the midst of the Reaganomics era and seemingly a country acting as the world's police, the he in Flame of the West seemed to be the president. The only other song I would comment would be The Great Divide. On a trip to Yellowstone and Glacier National Parks in 1985, I had the opportunity to stand on the Great Divide. Interestingly, one of the souvenir items that I brought back was the pin of a large eagle, closely resembling that of what would be the next album, The Seer. Hey guys, Tim Eldred, speak piping at you again. I first bought Steel Town when it came out on vinyl 30 years ago when I was, gasp, 19. I had no grounding in the social issues I heard in the lyrics, so a lot of them flew over my head at the time, but the music grabbed me right away. 
Just like in a big country, the opening riff of Flame of the West grabbed me by the collar, pulled me off my feet, and didn't let me drop until the song is over. And it's still the same way today. That and the title track were the two standouts for me, just for their pure energy. And other than Girl with Gray Eyes, the rest of the album kept that level high from start to finish. I admit I still don't quite get Girl with Gray Eyes. Maybe I'm the only one left. But lyrically, the song that made the biggest impression on me back then was Come Back to Me, since I'd never heard a male singer-songwriter express a female narrative with so much conviction. It took a few more years for me to connect with Big Country on a lyrical level. I kept up with every album, but it wasn't until the late 90s, when I went through a heavy emotional period, that I identified the songs that spoke directly to me, starting on, with those on Why the Long Face and working backward from there. So when I revisited Steel Town from that perspective, the song that stood out the most to me was Just a Shadow. I liked how it observed people who were beaten down by life and spoke about them with empathy and wisdom. And the question it asks is very profound. Who would we be if we were born under different circumstances? Would our lives be better? Are we more suited to a different time and place? Or would we just have a different set of problems? Theoretically, everyone could be a genius and a savior, but if we're born in the wrong time and place, maybe we never get the chance to discover that, which could explain why there are so few geniuses and saviors among us. Maybe the first requirement is that you're born at exactly the right time, and the second would be that you live long enough. You hear similar questions in The Logical Song by Supertramp. And, of course, Stuart Adamson did a lot more with this structure, since he used it again in Broken Heart, Keep on Dreaming, Long Way Home, Trouble the Waters, and Life is a Church. The themes of those songs are different, but in each case he examines three different situations and ties them together in a unique way. It makes me wonder what he'd be doing with that structure now, if only he'd lived long enough. Svein thanked Oliver earlier. I, I've got to uh, to chide Oliver for sending this certain chemistry book to Svein. Why would why would you do that? Can you imagine the joy that I would feel being able to open up a certain chemistry and knowing that he was following along with these poorly photocopied pages, and now he's got a got a copy that's in great shape. So better than yours, I wager. Pro- it probably is much better than mine. In mine fact, you can fun. count on it. It's pristine. Yeah, mine is. Mine looks mine looks good inside, but the outside is very worn. And and anyway, thanks a lot, Oliver. <laughs> no, Oliver's great. We appreciate all he's done for us over the years. And Oliver used to have a great site too. I hope you like it. And uh, I think that's even is that still even up? I think it might be. But the site uh, is still up. It doesn't have a lot of big country news uh, anymore. But he keeps a live uh, record of his collection, and he's got a great big country collection. So if you want to see, uh, go visit the webpage with a great big country collection in it, then Tom has the URL for you right now. <laughs> I do. I hope you like it. dot com. Is that dot co. dot uk? Okay. I hope you like it. dot co. dot uk. Yes, that's great. And it's always great to hear the voices of of these guys that we're so familiar with from years ago on the big country mailing list. And Absolutely. Oliver was, was certainly one of the top ones that I remember. So it's great. Thank you, Oliver. And um, some interesting points there too that he made. Yeah, definitely. No, it's. Um, I think a lot of people have 
a common theme there that they didn't really know the the actual meanings behind the songs and those who were fortunate enough to have the country club magazine definitely got a lot of pointers there i i only saw that years and years later so um so i was in the dark for for uh, i'm probably still in the dark for most of it but as far as changing live approaches that that's really interesting and i i have a few more to get into but i'll save that for the deep dives so so great message there and tim also i think um I kind of feel bad because I bullied Tim into submitting his, and but uh, what a great message there. So th- thank you, Tim. And I have to go back now and look at Broken Heart, Keep on Dreaming, Long Way Home, Trouble the Waters, and what is it, Life is a Church? That must be a Raphael's one. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. yeah great. So I, I never really did that level of analysis. So we have a, a future third tier here. And yeah, something something Oliver was talking about too, as far as the band playing it live. It's interesting. Over the years, they they have said so much that they they just had such a difficult time trying to figure out what to play on these songs live because of the the great amount of overdubs. And it was interesting seeing a, a Stewart interview from around the time Steel Town came out in Country Club, and um, the person asks him, uh, "So it's just the four of you? Can you see a problem doing the new material live?" And Stewart says, "No, no sweat." Basically, it's pretty much a live album. We haven't had any problem at all learning to do the new songs live. We learned the five new songs that we'll be doing on tour in like three days. Aha! <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. so, so it's interesting how back then they were like, ah, no, it's no problem. But uh, over the years, that changed. And it's funny that he says it was just a live album because clearly uh, it was much more than that when you look at all the overdubs. But uh, Anyway, in- interesting comments, but um, and Tim, that that was fantastic. And those of you who may not know, hopefully Tim doesn't mind me revealing this, but Tim works on the show Avengers Assemble. If you see the Avengers Assemble cartoon, um, Tim is one of the, one of the directors of that show. So we're honored to have him on the show, especially for some superhero geeks like uh, Spine and I are, and and our kids are. So it's really cool to have uh, have Tim be a big uh, be a contributor to this show and be. Uh, a big country fan. You never know where you're going to find them, and it's great that there are uh, there are so many out there still. But um, yeah, great way to wrap up the, the the speak pipes. Really fantastic points from you guys. And if we didn't mention each one of your speak pipes and and offer commentary on it, I hope you take no offense. It's just we just couldn't do it for every one of them. But uh, we we really really can't tell you how much we appreciate each one, and it just brings the point home that the show is just about all of you so it's great to hear and all of us so it's great to hear all of you guys submitting your your really interesting um comments so some of you guys could start your own big country podcast i think and and uh we hope you do yeah give us a little competition out here but at at least i think we've got some interesting candidates for maybe uh some future roundtable discussion shows so so that's great so there is the the speak pipe edition of our coverage of steel town our ongoing coverage of steel town and i guess in a way that that kind of leads the way into our deep dive discussion of steel town this is this is going to be a grueling attempt but we're going to we're going to get through it so let's start with our steel town deep dive long awaited and we're going to kick that off with flame of the west i would say that flame of the west is incredible i agree it's great agreed let's move on okay east of eden mind-blowing absolutely definitely all right and steel town steel town is a freaking masterpiece i agree i would call it a monstrosity of greatness yes absolutely 
Okay, so how about where the rose is sown? That was your introduction, so I know that is a special place in your heart. Yeah, I, I would call this a two-legged mule kick to the lower haunches, and I mean that in the best way possible. It is a kick in the nuts, yes. How come about, back to me. Yeah, come back to me. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Yeah, agreed. Tall ships go. Colossus. Yeah, it's a monstrosity. And girl with gray eyes. Ethereal. Yes, I, I say fat with a PH. How about rain dance? Glorious. Glorious. Absolutely. And the Great Divide, our namesake. It's it's immaculate. I can't follow that. I agree completely. Yeah. And just a shadow. Perfection. We ascend to the heavens with the last song. Wow, we did it, man. We finally did it. We've been talking about it since we started this podcast. How are we going to do Steel Town? And we, we did it. We Congratulations. It. Yeah, thank you. I think um, I would say that we're, we're done now, but we still have a couple other albums, and I'm sure we'll do them equal justice. Well, we're going to have to take a few months break, I think, after that, because that was that was tough. But um, Yeah, the preparation, phew. I know. I, yeah. I hope you guys learned a little bit more, maybe. Then. I know we've been living with this album for 30 years, but hopefully we've given you some nuggets to think about um, after that deep dive discussion that maybe you haven't even thought of before. So, yeah. yeah, I think so. I, 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 um, I think they're all number ones in terms of ranking, so I, I don't need to, to give the combined rankings. They're still all number one. Yeah, that's, that's right. Combined ranking of one yeah. in its entirety. Absolutely. All, All right, right, guys. So, yeah. So, I mean, thank you so much for being with us as we've dissected Steel Town. It's been a great uh, uh, journey here. And yeah. um, an we don't know when we'll be back. What's that? An adventure. It has been an adventure. Yes, that's right. Yes. And the band is continuing the adventure as they perform these songs live. A lot of you guys are seeing them and getting back to us and shooting your YouTube videos. And we really appreciate it. Those of us who can't get to these shows and it's sounding great. But um mm -hmm. We'll be back next time. We're not sure what we're going to be talking about next, but uh, we will be back with something. So get in touch with us as you can. BigCountryPodcast.com, the great site from John Gouveia, who's got all of the Country Club magazines that we reference on that site, as well as a veritable crapload of other stuff. Um, find us on Facebook, and you can find us on Twitter now, too. So please, if you're not a, a follower of us on Twitter, please join us on Twitter. Uh, look for us. You can search for us uh, at Big Country Pod. That's how you find us on Twitter. And you can look for us, the post on Facebook, too. We've got our Twitter address there. So, And you can send us an email at BigCountryPodcast at gmail.com. So we really appreciate it again. Thank you so much. Talk to you next time. All right, and Steel Town. Steel Town is a freaking masterpiece. I agree. I would call it a monstrosity of greatness. Yes, absolutely. The Flame of the West. Flame of the West? <laughs> I got it. <laughs> All right. Fuck that. How come about, back to me. Yeah, come back to me. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yeah, agreed. A flame of... No, I always say flame of... <laughs> oh. Flame of the West. <laughs> <laughs> How about flying out the west? I how'd you like it? I um <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think that could be funny.